This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. When I had my son to to my husband now, I had him at the end of August. His birthday is the 29th of August. And it was like as soon as I had him, something clicked in me where I was, I'm going to tell this child he can be everything and anything that he wanted to be and that it was time to break the stereotype and that society could not dictate our pathway. The world is full of amazing people and once a week I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum and this is Awesome Human. Our Awesome Human guest today is Linda Bimawa. We'll go into that in a second. Linda is of the <laughs> Munanjali clan from Bow Desert, which is a part of the Yugambeh language region and has dedicated her life to helping young Indigenous Australians. Linda's no stranger to adversity. She was fully independent at just 16 when she started working for the government. But despite not finishing school, Linda finished a Bachelor of Arts in Communication with a double major in Public Relations and Organisational Communication. She says this was because of her son. How could I tell him to make something of his life if I wasn't prepared to also give it a go? Linda's now helping young Indigenous Australians in Queensland give it a go as well, working for Titans for Tomorrow, the Preston Campbell Foundation, Deadly Dreamers, and a number of government Indigenous partnership programs. I'm so excited for this podcast. Welcome (laughs) to Awesome Humans, Linda. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good. I'm glad to be here and um, Thanks so much. It's our new yeah. studio. It's nearly finished, yeah, yeah, but I'm exciting. so glad you're one of the first people. We actually are the first awesome human that Woo-hoo. we've had in our new studio. That's, that's exciting. It is exciting. Okay, we had a conversation before we started recording <laughs> on how I pronounce uh, your surname right. and then also how I pr- pronounce your clan. I was pretty close with Munanjali. Is that right? <laughs> Munanjali. Munanjali. Okay, clan from Bow Desert. But I got Yugambeh right, didn't I? Yes. Yes. You did well. I learnt, I learnt that at the Commonwealth Games. There oh, you go. great. Something had come out of the Commonwealth Games that was positive. Yay. Okay, your surname. Yes. Bimawa. Close. Close. Okay. So how do I say it? You. You. My. My. Why. Why. Oh, so instead of ma, it's my. Yeah. Okay, what nationality is Bimawa? My wife. My wife. As you said before, be my wife. You're my wife. There you go. Um, So that's Fijian. My husband's Fijian, yes. Okay, we'll go into that shortly as well. All right, so the way I love to start these podcasts is there's no rules. We just talk about whatever we talk about. And I want to start at the very, very, very beginning, okay? Mm -hmm. What's your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Mm. My first memory would be... Uh, the first house we ever lived in and before my mum and dad were divorced. How old uh, do you reckon you were? I, I think I would have been about oh, maybe three. Maybe three. three. That's, that's good. Three or, yeah, three or a little bit younger. I know yeah. I wasn't at school. And um, there was a couple of things that I remember from that time. My brothers, God love them, used to throw me down the laundry chute. That was nice of them. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> Freaked mum out massively. She'd have a coronary. But in their defence, they would always put the sheets and stuff first for me to land oh, on. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. So back then we used to have laundry chutes from, you know, the top. We were up one level, so yeah. just down to the to the laundry inside the house. Nice. It was 
not good for security because you could just climb in <laughs> through that laundry well, shed. Well, you could slide and, down. Like yeah, yeah. Three. So they used to throw me down there. Yeah. Um, and, and and on a laundry, I guess, story, another laundry story connection. I must have been connected to that laundry a lot. I didn't do any but <laughs> I tried to help mum one day and it was the old washing machines that had the, you know, you used to run the uh, wet washing through the rollers. Oh, yeah, yeah, the ringing machines. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty embarrassing. I feel really old now. <laughs> um, but it was at least an electric washing oh, machine. There you go. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Right. It wasn't washboard. We had power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Electricity. <laughs> and um, I was trying to help mum, like, of course, snuck down when she wasn't there and tried to do the washing. And of course, my arm went right through the rollers and oh, I got, yeah. So through the ringer. Through the ringer. I got put through the ringer young, mate. <laughs> that was the start of things to come, wasn't That's it? That's right. And did you break anything? Well, they thought it was broken, but no. But I got to, you, you remember know, that? I wow. remember I that. I had to be traumatic. in bed. Um, and my big treat for actually going through that ordeal was the neighbour across the road who we called Arnie Jack. Yeah. Um, Bought me a watermelon, and I oh. just I thought I was a queen because he'd <laughs> bought me this watermelon. I was stuck up in bed, and yeah, I think I milked it a bit even at that age. Oh well, that's always a good thing. Yeah. So where were you? Where were you born? I was born in Townsville. Okay. Yeah. And your sibling? How many? So siblings? I have two older brothers. Okay. I was the big mistake later that was never meant to be. Okay. So how um, many years later? So I was nine, eight years later. Okay. Yeah. Um, my mum was sort of told that she wasn't going to have. Any more children? <laughs> She'd only had about a quarter of an ovary left. Oh wow! And pretty much told you're not going to produce any more eggs. But you know, but she did. I was stubborn, and <laughs> I still am. I was meant to be here. Good start yeah, life. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how how long were you in Townsville for? You lived there uh, as a kid. Yeah, so I I lived in Townsville till I was ten. Okay, so you went to we, like preschool and infant school and stuff up there. Yeah, went to uh, Heatley Primary. Heatley. Heatley Primary. School? Um, probably didn't have the best memories, um, of primary school, but, um, it was sort of, I guess, a time when, um, you know, you're in the middle of a divorced, yeah. you're a child of divorced parents and so trying how to old find were you yourself. When that happened? Um, well, it was before I'd started school and I remember dad sort of showing up at school at lunch hours just to sort of see me, uh, oh, okay. before he moved overseas. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so it was so. pretty ugly time. Yeah, it wasn't the best, and they never are, are they? No, and it's I don't know. Kids are the cruelest sometimes. I yeah, think definitely. It's definitely. hard when you don't feel like you fit in. And at Heatley, was it a big Indigenous community, or was it multicultural at the school? Yeah, it was, but I've got to say, I probably didn't hang around with a lot of my mob at school. It mm-hmm. was more at um, home, or uh, you know. We did move around a bit in Townsville as well, so yep. it was a bit hard to gather friends. I okay. do remember, I know that when I was a baby and one of my, I don't remember it, I'm sorry, but I've been told and it's one of my greatest um, stories is that when I was a baby, um, Eddie Marbo used to bounce, bounce me on his knee. And oh, wow. I know that the boys remember going around there all the time yeah. and talk very fondly of the family and and that connection. So. That's that's a really nice. So nice Eddie Marbo from the same mob? No, no, work? they're Torres Strait. So oh, they're okay. from Torres Strait, but um, you know, someone who did something so significant oh, in Australia, amazing, isn't it? and to think that you know we were that sort of that close. close to him. We were sitting on his knee. Yeah, 
Yeah, and mum's mum sort of worked in, in in the office that he was at as well. So. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's special. I remember the in Townsville, one of the greatest things up there is their um, connection to Torres Strait culture. Okay, and. I know that I just love that because they'd have parades and gatherings down the strand yep. and um, it was just wonderful. It was just so inclusive and just made your heart sing really. It's still like that now too. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, it's great. It's a bit I of work up it. there and it's a beautiful place. It's, yeah. So you left there when you were 10. Where would yes. you go? Well, well, after that I then became the child of a Navy stepfather. Okay. So, so mum got remarried? Mum was remarried and we moved quite a bit. So we went from there. We were in Brisbane for a little bit in transition mm-hmm. and then we went down to a place called Crib Point out of Vic- in Victoria, which oh, okay. is one of the bases. Yeah. And then from there we went up to Darwin. And then from Darwin we moved to Canberra in the middle of winter. Oh, nice. Where I thought I was going to die because I got <laughs> so sick. Um, from Darwin though, from so what, Darwin. you're at 35, 40 degrees yeah. every day down to Canberra. Yeah, with which ice on the windscreen. Wow. Yeah. That's a big shock, isn't Huge it? Huge shock. So how did you go shock. through school during this period? Like when you went down to Crib Point and then yeah. up to Darwin and stuff, we're just going to a local school? Yeah, just local school. I think I felt the most comfortable up in Darwin because obviously there was a lot more um, Aboriginal children that went to the schools yeah. up there and um, amongst them I look snow white. Yeah. Um, but it just felt right because okay. we, we just kind of connected, yeah, spiritually oh. we just connected and, grad, you know. I find connected. that really interesting because like when um, non-Indigenous kids go into schools mm-hmm. um they've got obviously a, a wider selection of people that come and talk to them if you yeah. like and i don't mean that in a racist way at all yeah but so when you go to school in canberra there's less indigenous kids there so therefore mm-hmm. you're the one that sticks out you know yes. what i mean whereas you say that that you're the whitest person up there it's yep. uh it's like but you're once again you've all got the same uh, you come from the same culture yes that so makes a big difference doesn't it yeah and so how old were you when you're in darwin so i was in darwin i went from um, the last two years of primary school and the start of high school. Okay. When I was up in Darwin. So as a young girl, it's a very important time in your life as well. Yeah, and really valuable. It was like it's a community up there that just seems to be more inclusive. And okay. I don't know whether it was partly because we were living on the Navy base yep. as well. So all the kind of Navy brats would hang out and we'd always be in someone's backyard playing <laughs> cricket or uh, sleeping in tents on the weekend. Um, but it was probably the only place that you felt like you're a part of the majority and not the minority. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Yeah, it? absolutely. And were your brothers with you still through this whole time? No, they were all grown up big and hairy. They'd moved out a <laughs> long time ago. <laughs> so you're in effect like a single child. I was a single child most yeah. of my life. So my brothers moved out when I was, you know, very young. My eldest brother, Colin, um, was always like my father. He So when mum and dad divorced and, and dad had gone overseas, yeah. my eldest brother took on that role as the senior male, I guess, yeah, in yeah. the family. And I remember him going to high school and then after high school working at the petrol station and at KFC. Yeah. To um, earn enough money to help mum pay the pay rent the and 
and even to the point where he'd bring, we'd have to wait till late at night because he'd bring home leftover chicken so yeah. that we could eat. Um, so he was always, um, always around a lot more. But then from, I guess, 10 when mum moved away, she got a new husband. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was. Moved on from there. Moved on from there, but maintained that close connection. Yeah, it's amazing. We had breakfast, obviously, a couple of weeks ago with yes. Paul and yourself and just the connection of you two. As soon as you saw each other, like, I know, Cole takes a piss out of everyone, which is really good. <laughs> but but the thing is the connection between the two of you, you can see it was just like it's so close. And yeah. even though you don't see each other every day, it's one of those things that I love. It makes me go tingly in the fact that that connection is so tight. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And we're not together physically because he's down in Canberra, but yeah. – we pretty much have to talk nearly every day. Yeah. And I know that if I go a couple of days and he hasn't rung me, because he rings me. Because but... <laughs> he's checking on you. He's, he's making sure you're always, okay. Always. As you say, it's that fatherly figure, yes. isn't it? It's like you're his little girl that he looks after. Absolutely. And that'll never change. No. No, no. no. Which, which is amazing. So we've uh, gone from Darwin now down to Canberra. We're freezing cold. Absolutely so we're just starting freezing. high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, how's that for you? It was, and I'm probably not really good at change as a child mm-hmm. and um, doesn't help in terms of building your confidence to, yeah. to fit in. I generally will have um, just a couple of people that I'm close to uh, and, you know, just get on with that. I've got to say that. Back then, and this was in the 80s, there was a program where Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students would get um, a little bit more support from, um, so this was down in Canberra, mind you, I think it was the Department of Aboriginal Affairs Mm -hmm. at the time, and they would come out and, you know, check on you, organise tutors to help you um, if you were having any problems at school and stuff like that to try and help with that connection. So that really helped because I there wasn't really any Aboriginal students in that school. Okay. Yeah. And is that still the case now? Do they do that now? They have now um, Indigenous support officers that are based in schools. Oh, okay. And honestly, they they really are invaluable. I know that they are limited in time. Yeah. They're mostly part-time and, yeah. Certainly need to be there more and and valued more because they are so critical to that connection between community, school, and just helping our kids feel like they belong. Yeah. Everyone should feel like they belong, right? 100%. Everyone should feel included. And until you feel excluded, you don't really know what that feeling is. Seriously, like people have had good days, bad days, but we got no idea what it feels like. And that's something that I'm um, I'm glad I've never felt that way, but also makes me feel bad in the the way that there's kids out there. And it's not just Indigenous kids. It's other kids that are pushed to the back or or you're different, Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. And it's just like that's atrocious. It really is. And it's something that that really upsets me and gets on my gripe because it doesn't need to be that way. That's right. They're, they're kids for Christ's sake. Like they don't know any different. They learn these behaviours and then that's why things happen later in life is because of the way they're treated as kids. Absolutely. So we're in Canberra. We're there. How long were we in Canberra for? I was in Canberra. I had my first child in Canberra. I oh, went so you to stayed university. there for the rest of school? 
I stayed, well, I couldn't really deal with school. So okay. this, the school system down there is you go to year 10 and mm-hmm. then you go to college, which is year 12, which was okay. a separate, um, you know, campus. Yeah. And I finished in year 10. Year 10. I, yeah. So year 10 came around. I thought I was proud of myself to finish year 10. <laughs> Mum probably had to fully push me over the line <laughs> to keep me there. Um, but I did finish year 10 and... Um, was always brought up that you have to work hard. So yeah. it was never that I was going to be sitting at home um, and started work full time, you know, straight pretty away. much straight away. So during school, yeah. were you a naughty kid? Were you a good kid? Were you uh, a bit of both? Or were you a jock? Were you a nerd? How'd you sort of, what, how would you put yourself in school? I was, I know this is going to surprise you, but mm. I was the talkative one in class. Wow. I know. I never picked that. I know. I was, I was, I did and you were really with, quiet too. Uh, yeah, I was. I actually stuck, probably stuck to myself a lot, but, yeah. you know, I'd have to be chitter-chattering. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, I wasn't a part of the cool kids. Mm. Um, I just, as I said, just stuck with probably one or two friends that were literally lived around the corner from me. And um, Are you still friends with any of those people now? Yes, I am. Yeah. It's yes. funny, isn't it, when you find like their lifelong friends? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that, that's amazing. So you went to work at 16, is that right? Yes. And you work for the government, 16, 17, something like that? I'm trying to think of the day. I think it, yeah, I think it was. I think I was like 15 just going on 16. On 16. When and what did you do? Who hires a 15-year-old kid that, just finished school because mum pushed her across the line. Yes. And um, who hires that type of child, if you like? So, you're yeah. still a child at the time. I was. Mm. I was. As much as I thought I knew it all when I was an adult. <laughs> as mm. most, like my 16-year-old would knows everything. It's Absolutely. amazing. I, um, I worked in like a shop which was called Walton's. Yes. At the time. I don't yeah. know if you've ever heard I of have, Walton's yeah. yet. So I worked at Walton's in town. Um. For a little while and I'd sat, they used to have an entry exam recruitment process for the government. And, okay. of course, everyone in Canberra is in the government, right? Yep. Government central. So I sat that and they had a specific Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander recruitment process mm-hmm. through the Public Service Commission. And there was two streams. There was clerical assistant and clerical administrative. Um and I thought I was pretty smart because I got in as an <laughs> administrative, which was like sort of the next, the higher level yeah. was that one. So I passed that and was um, allocated to a department and that's how I As an admin assistant. As an admin, okay. which would be equivalent to, I guess, a trainee, admin trainee okay. these days. Yeah. But it was a permanent position. It wasn't, you know, your set yeah. times to, Yeah. So you had a permanent job at 16 years old. That's awesome. Yes. And then how long did you stay with government? Oh, You're wow. still there, aren't you? Well, yeah, I swapped. <laughs> oh, I, I, jumped ship, I jumped ship and <laughs> went back. So I, I was with the Australian government for over 20 years. Oh, wow. And then. Um, you don't look a day over 35. Oh, so. thank you. <laughs> and um, then I was actually released on leave without pay to develop a program for SeaWorld Resort and Theme Park. Okay, up here in Queensland. Yes. Oh, well, I'd moved with government to move up to Queensland. So let's go back there. So we're 16, yeah. we're in government. What's what's happening in our home life? Are we still at home with mum? Oh, God, no. Oh, you were moved No on? way. I was out of there. I was out of there <laughs> at 16. Yes. 
Um, and not because I had a bad relationship with mum. Mum and I are just so close. We yeah. talk every day as well. And she's more like a sister to me than mm-hmm. than a mum, I think. I um, was always going to be independent and I'd been uh, back in those days, you know, you set up your glory box. Yes. So every Christmas birthday all I wanted was things for my glory box so yeah, that I could yeah. move out. I think I've been doing that since I was about 12. <laughs> And I was mad on pink, so everything was pink. I had pink kettles and pink toasters, yeah. Um, so, no, I moved out of home and um, in with my boyfriend, of course, because, you know, it's all about love there yeah. as well. But I was also determined not to fall pregnant before I was 21. Okay. So I didn't, but as soon as I was 21. <laughs> Happy birthday. But, but it was a different boyfriend. <laughs> I then don't know if that sounds very good. So the bird, uh, so you moved out with the boyfriend, and how long I were did. you guys together? So, um, oh, probably a couple of years. Okay, yes, and then um, stayed with government when I had my son. To to my husband now, we um, I had him at the end of August. His birthday is the twenty ninth of August. Okay, and it was like as soon as I had him something clicked in me where I was, I'm going to tell this child he can be everything and anything that he wanted to be and that it was time to break the stereotype and that society um, could not dictate our pathway. And did you feel like that through the whole process? Did you feel like you were being dictated to and you were told what you had to do and what you had to go through that whole period of your life up to that point? I don't know if it was that I was told what I had to do I think it was more that you felt like there was something on your head that you were never going to do anything okay that you just kind of exist and it was like a stereotype work. that just happened yeah as opposed to people physically pushing yeah it. absolutely so um I said well I can't tell him that you know he has to make a go of it if I'm not prepared to be a role model 100%. and I had him in August and had him enrolled in a foundation program so they had a foundation program which would um gear you up to for entry into university. So I registered for that, you know, in the January following. Following the birth of your son. And then I was absolutely privileged to um, win a scholarship. So we had wow. uh, study scholarships yep. through the department. And what that meant was that actually changed my life, to mm-hmm. be honest. I was on full pay and could study full-time. Oh, that's amazing, isn't it? Yes. What a great opportunity. Oh, it was incredible. And that changed my life. It yeah. changed the direction of how you're even perceived. It's it's amazing because I still fight it today where I don't think a piece of paper dictates who you are as a oh, person. I agree 100%. That drives me insane. Yeah. However, you can't deny that that piece of paper opens many doors. Mm. Um, and I think that's why I fight now to be opening the doors for the people that don't have those don't pieces have the of, paper. of paper. Yeah. So, oh, I'm happy to kick those doors down and I'll keep kicking them down. Which is good. <laughs> oh, yes. which, which is the way it should be. And and lead the way through those doors because it really does just to have those. those... You can hear the passion in your voice. That's yeah. great. So we're, we're, you're now going to go back to university, right? You're 21 yes. years old and... Actually, let's go back. Where did we meet Hubby? How'd that happen? <laughs> or at the time, boyfriend. <laughs> What's his name? His name's Bola. Bola. Yes. B O W L A. Bola. Okay. 
Um, so Boller is the absolute complete opposite to me. <laughs> He Perfect match. Honestly, I would didn't even know he existed. Yeah. He uh, is as quiet as a mouse. He hides in the corner. You just you don't hear him, see him, but if you do come face to face with him, you're greeted with just, you know, a big smile and yeah. you know, he might be a ninja. He, I think he that? might be a ninja. But he's a happy ninja because he's full of smiles. <laughs> so, um Boller was actually best friends with a friend that I was friends with and he was the, you know, excitable one and, okay. and friendly one and yeah. I was a social butterfly so I knew everybody. Yeah. We're in Canberra so, still? Yes, yep. in Canberra. So he um, had, I guess, been watching me from afar and told his friend that, you know, he, he liked me and all of his friends knew that, he was watching me from the back corner when I'd That's come into the That's No, fine. right, right. So they'd all, you know, tease him and I was yeah. just not aware of any of this stuff because I just, you know, would flitter around. And it wasn't that I was drinking or anything because I was a, the driver. Yeah. But I just loved to be around people and I loved to dance and so I'd just go out and dance and talk and <laughs> mix it up and knew everyone except for my husband now. So um, he pretty much said to me, um, oh, look, you know, because he was introduced to me a few times, but in a club you don't even hear, so I didn't even know his name. And for ages I was just like, oh, I actually thought he had a big head. And, was like, oh. um, and he said, oh, you know, he really likes you. You get, you know. So I probably had to make the first move in okay. terms of talking to him or um, I knew once he'd had a couple of drinks because I could get him on the dance floor if he'd had a couple of drinks. So I'd sort of Is drag him. He's still the same in. now? He's still the same now. And <laughs> <laughs> doesn't drink very often at all. So very rarely but he you'll can see. Dance. He can dance once he gets up there. <laughs> I dragged along. So yeah, I guess we met through friends. Through friends in a nightclub. In a in a nightclub. And I've got to say that um he's the only man in my life that has ever asked me out. Oh. So, you know, you generally kind of meet meet people and stuff people like and um hook up. Yeah. But um yeah, he's he's the only man that ever said, Oh, will you go out with me? You'll probably hate me sharing that story. So you better not hear this. He will. Um yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll send him a little copy with a tape. <laughs> um yeah, so um so yeah it's been and then a was journey. It love straight away or did you not like him? No, I did like him because I love everyone. Yeah. Um, and it, I guess it was just really a stage in my life where I was just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. Like um, we'd go out on a – once he sort of asked me out, I thought, oh, shit, this is a little bit serious. Yeah. This wow. Could, this could not just a mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we just oh, it just awesome. kind of naturally progressed and – um, and you had your little boy and you and got married? Had, that's right. Well, we didn't get married for a long time after. Okay. And I didn't change my name for a long time after either and it was probably because um, my kids nagged me into it. Oh, really? More well, to than change anything. your surname or yeah. to get married? No, to, to change my surname. <laughs> uh, the marriage was more about uniting the whole family than okay. a marriage between two people. And yeah. I, I always wanted the kids involved mm-hmm. in that. So, Yeah. So you're you're in Canberra. You've met your. We had baby in Canberra first. Baby. Yes, first yeah. child there. When did you move up here? 
Moved up here in 1998. On the Gold Coast, yes. Yeah. Moved to the Gold Coast in 1998. And it was probably because years of yearning to be on country. Okay. So I've always wanted to bring my children up on the country that I belong to. Yeah. And I find strength in that. I feel like that's just where I need to be and where they need to be. And, and what's that mean? What do you mean by in country? Um, so on country is our traditional links okay. to country. So yeah. we come from this region here. Yeah. Um, primarily over on Manajali country, which is Bow Desert. Yes. But that forms part of the Yugambeh language region, which is mostly um, southeast Queensland okay. in a nutshell. And, yeah, it was just something I was really passionate about and mm-hmm. wanted to do. I knew that um, my children may not necessarily want to stay there forever, but I felt like they needed that grounding to start their life. And do you think that when you moved here it changed your life a little bit? Because Definitely. you actually got that grounding and then. So how old were you then when you, when you come up here? So I was pregnant with the twins and it was 1998. So, so you're studying or you've studied? Or, I've, yep, oh, so, so you finished, graduated. You, yep. Graduated. You got that in Canberra? Yes. And what did we graduate with? I read uh, that out before, Yeah, so I? Bachelor of Arts in Communication with a double major. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, for a kid who at 16 didn't even want to be at school. No. Did you find as you matured and you got older, you actually started to learn, was it become sponges? You actually learn a lot more and then you actually wanted to learn? Because I found that. No, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I found it. You didn't. That's fine. I, I think it was more that I learned in a different way. Okay. And I enjoyed learning in a different way. Mm-hmm. I think the... Um, reading and concentration in class environment didn't work for me. For me to go to university was actually a real struggle. Believe it or not, mum had to drag me through that as well. I was ready to give up in my final year and um, mum and Cole really gave me a kick up the pants and went, you've gone past halfway here. It'll be a waste of your life if you give up now. I was like, oh, but it's just so hard. I just, all this reading and, you know, assignments and the pressure of being in classes and things, it was just really a struggle. I was yeah. just, and it's another level of stress. Yes. Like to study at university is a level of stress that you just don't understand until you're there. And you've got a baby through this process yes. as well. So, yes. like, let's make it twice as hard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do anything easily. <laughs> oh, there's no lessons learned. <laughs> So you mentioned earlier that you get paid during that process uh, mm-hmm. as well from the government as yes. you were, like because you were still working and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. So when you're finished, do you go back to that original job or, or where does where do you go once you've graduated? Is it like a new role or how did that work? Yeah, so I did go back to the department and mm-hmm. they um, put me into a position that um, was somewhat relevant to my degree. Yeah. Um, however, I did write to their the head of the department at the time because after a while they were just kind of treating me like I was just a sort of another trainee in the office and they weren't utilising my skills, which really frustrated God, me a little bit. Uni. I've got a master's degree Well, now. and I, I just wanted to utilize. use my skills. Yeah, 100%. And going through that, I was also really conscious that I need to lead the way for more of my mob to follow me. Mm-hmm. So... I want more of my mob to get university degrees, it's hard work, but 
I need for them to believe they can do it and it will lead to something. So I was really quite conscious of that going through, which is probably another reason why I didn't drop out because it wasn't just me dropping out. You were doing this for everyone. It was everyone behind me that would lose out if I if I didn't follow through with this. So when I went back, I was very conscious of that and, and um, I wrote this letter and, of course, they, and I didn't, I guess, realise at the time the power of a letter. Yeah. And, um, of course, they snapped right into action and went, oh, oh, yes, we've kind of invested because once you put it in dollar terms, like, right, someone all, all, all of a sudden, this yeah, thing. right, oh, yeah, wow. you've paid all this money for me to get this degree and you're not using me. Yeah. Um, there was certainly quick action after that and um, <laughs> they utilised my skills a lot more and it was um, eye-opening because I still, even at that point, did not, I guess, have the confidence or believe in my ability to have an impact. Okay. Mm. Interesting. You've done all that study. You've done all that. You've put yourself through all that and then still in the back of your head you're sitting there going, well, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not yeah. good enough for that. And that, that's something that, that's amazing that lives with you forever mm-hmm. and it still happens now, I guarantee it. Yeah. Because it know it happens to me as well. Absolutely. But it's learning how to deal with that mm-hmm. and how to actually use that to and that emotion to your the best of your ability. And that's something that you do now, which is unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you. And it's something you should be really proud of. Thank because you. It is one of those things in life that's really, really hard to do. Mm. And once you're able to do it, like we all have good days and bad days, but at the same time it's one of those things that you can harness is the word I'm after uh, and then actually utilise that to help your mob. Yes. But that's what you're doing now. Absolutely. And I think with maturity and as you go through all those things, you build a bank of people around you that mm-hmm. support you through those things and they're the ones that keep you going. So without those people, those mentors, those experiences, if you don't bottle them, then they're not going to be there to keep carrying you through. So true. Yeah. So true. So we now moved to the Gold Coast, Yeah. 1998. We're pregnant. We've got <laughs> twins in our belly. Yes. <laughs> Did you know it was twins straight away? Well, there's another story. So no, and there's no history of twins oh, in the family. Even on um, your husband's side? Yep, no history at all. So we had decided, so I've got to say, and I've got to make this statement, my children were planned. Yes. Um, and none of them were ever a surprise or, or a mistake, as some people might say. We had actually planned all of our children. Why even is it so important for you to say that? Because so many people think that, oh, you were young and you are Aboriginal and you just fall pregnant. So it's really important to make that statement. It's important for me, for people to know that, no, they were, it was a decision and it was planned and we were excited before That's so good. they even existed. That's awesome. Yeah. You're the one supposed to cry, not me. It's like, <laughs> because it's interesting. When we first started the conversation, you said to me and you made a point of it that you were a mistake. Yeah. You said that you're a, a child that was a mistake. You used that, those words at the start. Yeah. And is that been in your head your whole life? Um, were you brought up with the fact that you were a mistake? No way. I was always brought up as like, 
this surprise gem. He's awesome. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. the girl. Mum always wanted a girl. She really wanted a prissy girl, but I was the biggest tomboy <laughs> going. So, sorry, Mum. Sorry. <laughs> Got half of it. Yeah. Um, but, no, I was always brought up as, you know, this surprise that was never meant to be um, and yet has. But it's a wonderful surprise. Yes. That's yeah, nice. yes. I was never, ever treated as a mistake at all. Yeah. So your planned kids? My planned children. So, But we're we, having two. Yeah. How, how's that happen? Well, I Did didn't we plan that? that bit. So maybe it was a mistake <laughs> and a surprise all in one. Well, let's say a surprise. Right. So um, we'd. So obviously with our first one, I was a little bit younger and I think I fell pregnant just at the thought of it because I fell pregnant straight away. You always said I wasn't going to be pregnant until I'm 21. Yeah, and that's it, boom, there you go. And I I was done, I was ready. Um, And then when we planned the second pregnancy, it seemed to take a while. Okay. And um, What's the age gap over time? Seven years between them once I was born. So I... So I wasn't that old. I wasn't. It wasn't an age thing, but for some reason my um, cycles were all out of whack and that sort of stuff. So it took us quite a few months. And I always think of people that really struggle to have babies because it's so stressful when mm. you really want something. Yeah, definitely. And it's not going to plan. And I know that can be a struggle because I know I only had it for a few months. Yeah. And yet the stress that it put on you and it changed the whole perception of actually having a baby because then it felt like a chore. Yeah, exactly. And something that needed to be a process and that should never, I think, be, you know, no, part that's, of that's all that process. bringing life to life. Yeah, yeah. so uh, there was that and um, the doctor said, you know, as soon as that test came back positive because we have this test felt like yeah. every week. <laughs> Um, so soon it was positive, she said, oh, look, so to pinpoint your due date, it's better to have a ultrasound right at the beginning Yep. Um, so that we know um, when you fell pregnant and how far along you are and stuff. So I went, okay, no worries. And we went in for the ultrasound and they were playing around and she was asking all the questions, which I thought were just normal, you know, about history, family history and all that kind of stuff. And then she said, oh, okay, I'll just be back. And she went and saw the doctor and came back. And then she just at randomly said, oh, so I'll tell you why I think it's twins. And we just like <laughs> went, oh, what? And she said, oh, because there's like these two heartbeats that I'm picking up here. Wow. And that just, so we kind of floated out of the, it was at the hospital. In shock? The, in absolute, <laughs> we, were in, we were excited, but in yeah, shock. Yeah, for sure. And so we floated out. And, like, we forgot to pay. So you usually have to pay for your ultrasound. And I'm like. You pay double because it's twins. I know, right? And I didn't even think about it. We floated out and, of course, they were hunting us down like we were leaving the country, (laughs) ringing up saying, you haven't paid your bill and it's got to be paid before close of business and, you know, you've done a runner. And we are just like, sorry, we didn't mean it. It was just, you know, I was like, we had to sort that out. But, yeah, and um, when we finally had them, in the hospital, they were saying that they were doing research on whether eating chicken was a contributing factor to multiple births because of the hormone in chicken. And we live on chicken, and I don't know whether it is or not, but wow. you know, we Did were. Did they happy. prove it, you know? I don't know. I didn't follow it. I didn't care. I had the babies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the why. I, I, I know what I was, Yeah. <laughs> 
But there was another story um, about, so when I was pregnant, we actually came up on um, holidays and I had my niece and nephew and we went, we bought two-day passes for Dreamworld. And my husband is scared shitless of heights <laughs> and fast rides. I love them. And so for the whole first day. And you made day, him go on them, didn't you? Well, I was trying. The whole first day. <laughs> He, I was going on the rides with all the kids and I went on the Tower of Terror and all that kind of stuff. And then the second day, because I was like, all day, I was like, please come on. He's like, no, no, no. So the only one I could trick him into was they used to have the mine ride, you know. Oh, yeah, mi- I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And because you couldn't really see it, I thought I could get him on, <laughs> scare the pants off him because he wouldn't really know. I was just, you know, get in on the front and you don't know what's coming. So second day he finally went, Okay, I'll go on the ride with you. So we went straight there. And as well, we're lining up. He's reading the board. <laughs> and of course, it says, no rides if you're pregnant as a risk thing. So Linda was fully grounded for the whole second day. Wow. I was sulking all day because I firstly didn't get him on the ride. <laughs> and then, he, and then he secondly, found a <laughs> I didn't get on any ride. Did he still go on the log with? No, he didn't get it. He got out of it as well. So, and then I've always said, oh, you know, I went on that Tower of Terror, it split my eggs and I had twins, <laughs> even though they're not, you know, they're, they're from two separate eggs. But I, so they're um, not all, identical? No, they're not no. identical, but no one can so. tell them apart. Yeah, yeah, I think they're, they were born the same day. <laughs> Who is uh, that? What's the difference in age? Hour and six minutes. Hour and six, that's quick. Yeah. Oh. oh, no, it's long. It's a long hour yeah, and six minutes. Yeah. Apologise yeah. for that. <laughs> My wife will yell at me about that. Yeah, yes, it is right. a very long time. <laughs> yes. And so we've got three kids now. Yes. Well, we're I actually on the have Gold extras, Coast. but they came later. Oh, okay. Yes. So we're living on the Gold Coast now. We've moved up here. We've mm-hmm. got our three kids. And where do you go to work? Well, are we still in government? So I'm still in government. I, tra- I applied for a position and transferred. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Bola had to give up work. Okay. To... What does Bola do? So at the time he was working as a cleaner groundsman at uh, TAFE campus. Okay. Yep. Um, and he's a a little bit of a, you know, he'll he'll do anything for work. He, yeah. Yeah. So he moved up with us, or just after us, we came first, and then he came a couple of weeks later, and yeah, he. Had a babies really so and I, but I was the main wage earner so yeah, okay. because I had the degree and the stable position yeah. I was the main wage earner and he couldn't actually work because for him to work it would cost us more in childcare yeah, for of both so he became the same he did he did turned he into that? my nagging wife of a husband <laughs> that my son and I got in trouble nearly every day for leaving something. Yeah, you know, on the ground or something and, you know, we never did anything right and um, he certainly looked after us. But yeah. he, he stayed at home because we just couldn't afford for him to work. Fair enough, yeah. We had one car that was on its last legs mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I had to keep feeding the girls because we couldn't afford formula. So, yeah. you know, you, you, you do, do what you've got to do. do. We've had quite a few rice meals. Yeah. But once again, as you say, you got your... You get to a position, you just got to feed them. That's you right. Do what you got to do. That's right. And then we stayed with government. When, when did you go to SeaWorld? I Once did stay there. with government. So 
a opportunity came up at SeaWorld. It was a new program that was actually government funded mm-hmm. um, and someone had sent it to me and said, Linda, you should really give this a go. We think you'd be great at that. Um, and I hesitated because my job was always about the stability to give us what we needed for our future for the family. So to look outside of that really scared the pants off yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Um, and it was actually one of the executives and another mentor that I see as a mentor. I went to her and said, oh, look, you know, there's this opportunity, but I'm really hesitant. She said to me, and I'll never forget it, she said, we're not going anywhere. We will be here. So true, isn't Just it? go and do it. Like yeah. pretty much you're an idiot. You yeah. know, like um, it's here's you, this it's opportunity. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. what I had to hear. And I needed that support, I guess, yep. and the security to know, oh, you, you know, it's actually still there. It wasn't like I was resigning. It was just that I was taking leave without pay. Yeah. But for me it was like I was totally cutting off something that I could never go back to. And I didn't know who I was going to become without that because it had been you. such a big part yeah, of my definitely. life um, and met the survival of my family. <laughs> Indeed. Because it created our foundation. So I um, took leave without pay and went across and developed that program and I was supposed to only be across there for a certain amount of time and they convinced me to do another program because it had been so successful and then we doubled our numbers in the second intake and I had to apply for more leave without pay. Yeah. And I think after my case went through, they changed all the rules where you couldn't actually get any more leave without pay <laughs> because mine had to go through to like I think a minister or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, it had to go through to Canberra definitely to get approval. And I think the only reason it got approval was because that connection because it was a government-funded yeah, program. Definitely. But that won't ever be done again. <laughs> <laughs> You're a one-off. I was there a one-off. Go. I broke the mould. <laughs> and it seems like my whole life has really been about Breaking that mould, isn't it? Always. Yeah. Everything I seem to do, just even in everyday stuff, just seems to be different and always, out, as I say, I live outside the square. I don't need to think outside the square. I live outside the square because everything I do just seems to be that little bit different. Well, that's a great way to be. Well, I survived. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. And you're growing your confidence when you survive a few incidents, but, you know. So we're, we're finished. when did you finish at SeaWorld? How long were you there for? So I was over at SeaWorld for, oh, goodness, I think it was three years. Oh, wow. Three years over yeah. there. Um, and I brought in, and that's where I, um, my family actually grew. So all it was an Indigenous school-based traineeship program mm-hmm. and I brought um, youth in from rural remote communities from mainly the South Queensland, so from Bundaberg down was a geographical area. And I bought, um, and they're all in year 11, and they came in for residential blocks. Okay, so like work experience and they um, they actually stay there too. They they? stayed there um, for a week or two week blocks. Yep. So we learned more than just a skill and a certificate. It was about being able to be independent and life responsible, skills, really, life well. skills, yeah. teamwork, um, connection um, with each other. And all of those children then became my children. Yeah. So 
they adopted me. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the other way around. I they adopted that. me and they all call me mum and we're still connected to this day. Wow. So these are the extra kids you were talking about? These are my extra kids. Yeah. How many? Over 30. Wow. And then over, well. And have your kids met that, these kids? Yeah. They're all a part of a family. That's so. Beautiful. They all know each other. We've yeah. all been to 18th and 21st yeah. <laughs> and I have many grannies. So yeah. grannies for us are grandchildren. Yeah. So I have many grannies and celebrate them all. And my extra children are just as much my children as, as any and I get very offended when people go, oh, the other ones. That's and I'm like, no, 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 they're my one. children. Yeah. They're my children in every way and I love them just as much. And how does your quiet little husband that sits in the corner, how's he go with all these extra kids? Yeah, he loves it. Well, yeah. he was nagging me for many years, wanted a lot of children. Okay. <laughs> so you brought him 30. And I brought him thirty. <laughs> so he was kind of happy with that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I had to convince him for a very, very, very long time that he was not going to have any more babies from me, that my shop was shut. <laughs> and he. Um, he would get clucky at a pregnant woman that he oh, saw God. at school. Yes. <laughs> Poor bugger. Yeah. So, and he's children, and anyone who knows him, and most Fijians, there is something magnetic in yeah, them with, kids. with children. Mm. And, um, yeah, children are just attracted to him and he loves them. And That's yeah. awesome, isn't it? So that's why he did such a good job as being a um, house husband. He did. That's yeah. amazing. I had to push him back out to work. Like, <laughs> okay, my turn. Force, get out of the house. <laughs> force him out to work. He started off working nights because, you know, we couldn't afford the childcare. Yeah. And um, this year, this year, this year, he's and he's always worked full-time but always been on contract, so no work, no pay. Yeah, okay. And it's always been night shift and weekend shift. Mm-hmm. So he was cleaning for many years and then he got a security certificate and was doing security. And then this year is the first year he's got a full-time job where he's home every night and on weekends wow. and will actually be able to access leave Wow! in his life. There so for him it's like winning him. a lotto. Yeah, for And sure. he's a groundsman now and he just loves it. Out oh, of school, of course. Oh, that's the kids, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that's perfect. So it's mm. all falling into place. Yes. So Life does when you let it, when, uh, when, when you learn to let it. So true. Yeah. So now. Yes. Linda today. And I have another one. So What's there's another one? child. Oh, is it? Along the way, yes. Where the other two? You weren't allowed so, anymore. I know. I wasn't allowed anymore. So. Oh, no, he wasn't allowed anymore. Yeah. You were. You could have as many as you wanted. <laughs> so how'd that happen? So we, my husband is adopted. Okay. And on his adopted side of the family, there was a child um, in care. Yeah. And his Grandparent, he was living with his grandparents, which is my husband's auntie, auntie yep. was the, the nan. And she um, had terminal cancer. Now, she had her and her husband had um, Connor from the hospital as, as, as a baby. As a baby. And the department said to them, Oh, you can't keep him long term. She was too sick and elderly, and it would be more traumatic to. Find him a family, yeah. you know, as he got older. As he got older, yeah. So I got a call randomly one day and became a parent pretty much in a day. Wow. And I said How's that to phone my, call go? It, 
it was talk me through that. So and I and I tell my son this all the time. You know his story and and how it was about his birth into our family. Yeah. So he's now with us long term, and we have him um, until he's eighteen legally, but yes. he's with us forever, obviously. So I am in the library, and I get a, a call, and I didn't take. I was at the library, and but I did look later, and I went, oh my goodness, because I knew that um, she had been not well and she'd had pneumonia and was in hospital. And I actually oh. thought she was ringing me to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. So it really freaked me. So, of course, I rang, rang back straight away and she said to me, um, would you consider taking Connor? You're the and only one. how old Connor at this time? He was only about three months old. Oh, okay. So a baby. A baby still. Um, and I was just like, well. I think I need to have a conversation with Bola first about that. And I um, kind of got onto him, st- dragged him out of bed because, you know, he'd been working night shift yeah. and I'd gone, nah, you need to wake up. We need to talk <laughs> about this. Um, and then, of course, the conversation, he said, oh, you've just got to let me tell the girls. And I went, okay. So he picked the girls up from school and, of course, went. Had well, they met Connor? They, no, they didn't, didn't even really know because he was down in okay. Canberra. So we hadn't even met him. Wow. And um, he said, oh, so we just need to let you know that we're having another baby. And, of course, their faces just went, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> then How old we, were the kids? Uh, well, the girls were 15. Okay. Uh, 15. And they're just like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But they were more worried that. I was having the baby, uh, yeah, but once it was explained, then that was fine because yeah. the thought of your parents, what <laughs> they do to have a child <laughs> and for that result was more scary <laughs> than the actual result, right? <laughs> so, yes, he was born into our life and I said, mate, someone's watching over you because 100%. you always wanted extra kids and I told you no more. <laughs> I uh, said, 15 years later, by the power of something, <laughs> you have obviously more power behind you than I have wow. behind me because I told you no more. Um, but I guess you never give up on your dreams because they can come from <laughs> any direction. So he was just glowing, of course, because oh, he could he have was. a million children around. Yeah. So I actually, so we have a new, another baby that's um, younger than some of my grandchildren. Wow. Which is an absolute shock to the system. So when, when was this? How long ago was this? So he came to us, and here's another gem. He came to us on my husband's birthday. Yeah. So that was his best birthday present ever, ever <laughs> in the whole wide world, um, two weeks before he turned one. Wow. Yes. That's amazing, isn't it? And he's, you know, my husband's Fijian and I'm Aboriginal and our little angel has blue eyes, strawberry blonde hair. Oh, really? And is pale and <laughs> struggles with the inclusion that we felt. Really? Isn't that ironic? Yes. <laughs> Look at that. I know. Wow. So how old's Connor now? He's four now. Four? Yes. And how was it after 15 years? And obviously you, you do a lot with kids and stuff. Yes. Going back to nappy. Oh, Yeah. Sorry, Thankfully, or should I ask Bola that Yeah, question? ask Bola that because <laughs> he's changed way more nappies in our, in our marriage than I ever have. And, you know, he's a pro. He's yeah. a pro at it. 
as my the girls, girls, going, oh, the girls, are the the girls were like, nah, not going anywhere near that. Stuff. Sorry, Dad, not helping. Yeah, nah, you're on your own. So your mum and dad, do Connor? Yes. And so he calls your mum and dad. And, yeah. and you, uh, as part of his life and as he grows, you explain to him about how he came into your life and Absolutely. all that sort of stuff from day one? Yes. So we're very open and honest with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did, so for him to come into our life and we call it his birth into birth, our yep. family, we actually did ceremony because we were had to think what's the best way for us you know, to go through this process because we also had grandparents and an uncle that were having their hearts ripped out because they didn't want to give up the baby. The department was telling them they had to. You've got no choice. So how do we heal, knowing all too well those feelings, how do we heal them while also celebrating the birth of this child? So we came to the conclusion that ceremony is the best way for us. So we had um, Aboriginal and Fijian ceremony um, and did a a smoking as he came into our house and our family and we made that up into a video. It was all photos and we made it up into a video and we show him that um, all the time and from that day he has not left us. So there's supposed to be a transition where, you know, because we never met him at all before this. Um, And what happens is there's a transition. So you might have him for an hour or two and then it extends so that you get used to each other. And his grandparents came up for a few weeks to do that. Um, But from that he came to us and he was fine. He hadn't been sleeping all night. And from that day he has slept all night and never Amazing. left us. We'd never had to do a transition. It's just been right. His family. Yes. Simple as that. Yeah. So blonde eyed blue, like blonde hair, blue eyed. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So he, you know, and we're honest with him about that, but he clearly knows and he will say, I want your skin in your eye. Oh, really? So we every day pretty much say to him, No. You are special. Mm. I want what you have and you need to nurture that and and honour that and, you know, grow confidence in yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But he gets up and he dances with the kids. So he does. He does Aboriginal dancing. He loves his didge. Yeah. And this is not things that we force him to do. This is stuff that he just naturally wants to do with us. And but he's grown. He's grown up in that culture. Though. Yeah, like uh, he doesn't know any different. No. So that that's the key to this whole thing is he doesn't know any different. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yes. I did you know, one thing I love about your culture is the stories, and one one of the things that that we don't hear enough and we don't speak enough about is uh, stories about history and all that sort of stuff. And I love the fact that the stories are passed down through time and stuff like. Do you think that'll continue? Like, so you tell your kids stories, like yes. the, the the Eddie Marbo, like getting rocked on his on his knee. Yep. Do you think that your girls uh, and even Connor, like, yes. they'll, they'll continue these stories down to their kids through their kids through their kids? I think one thing we do well is yarn. Yarn. That's what <laughs> I was asking. Yeah, for sure. Um, we yarn and we yarn the same stories over and over again, and we never get sick of those stories because within those stories are our lessons. Definitely. And they're our connections and they're a part of us. So it's not like it's ever a chore. Yeah. And I know my big hairy children 
still want to hear about the story of when I went into labour with them and what they did as children. And we go over those stories constantly (laughs) and they just don't get sick of that. So, And I always try to build more stories in everything that we do and and have that connection in everything. And do they as well? Do you find that your big hairy children, as you call it, which yeah, I love, yeah, yeah. do they uh, do they do the same thing now? Like, um, do they build stories? And the storytelling is the best way to mm. do things. Like, no matter what it is, whether it's business, whether it's life, whether the whole lot, it's all storytelling. It's yeah, all we do. Absolutely. And I think um, different. Well, everyone's an individual, and I've got. So my son is very much like me and he talks to everyone and he's more the yarner, Yeah. whereas the girls are very quiet like their father. So they okay. don't so much do that, but they talk a lot to each other. Yeah. So it mightn't be that you're actually sharing externally, no, but, but certainly sharing. internally and mm. as a family, yes. That's amazing. Yeah. and But, you know, they still don't, there's still things that I'll be like going on about and they still think, what is the fuss? <laughs> you know, they just don't. But I know that one day they'll actually look back on that. And yeah, go, definitely. Oh, wow. Understand. I get it. Yeah, it still happens it. to me now. I still pop back. Like we, um, I lost my dad when he was 58. Mm. And um, I think back every now and then it just pops into my head. And you're like, oh, remember that? Yes. Like, wow. And then I go home and I tell my kids that story. Yes. Because, and they um, they just like love it because only one of them ever got to meet him. And yeah. the other three are there going like they really want to get knowledge of whether it was that or whether it was his dad or like when the uh, Anzac Day and stuff just has just been and they like wanted to hear the stories about my grandfather that went and fought for this country and all that sort of stuff and it's like it makes it more real as well because and then they go and tell that story to to other kids and it's just a beautiful thing yeah I love it my I never met my grandfather my grandfather passed away when he was 44 Uh my mum was only young I think she was 12 yeah and yet I could say he's the greatest influence in my life. Why is that? The power of his spirit and being has actually guided my life. Wow. And I never met the man. And yet he's the beacon male in my existence. Isn't that amazing? Yes. And how does that work? Can you explain how that works? Oh, I don't know if I can explain. I um. I just, I know he's with me all the time yeah. and and it wasn't even like mum spoke of him all the time because it was too painful for her. Yeah, she lost her father when she was really young, so she didn't exactly talk about him. In fact, she used to say, and I remember being really angry because she tried to explain to me when we were young um, that, you know, grandfather just went away one day and he didn't come back which was her way of explaining death. But in my mind, I'm like, he bailed on you, (laughs) right? (laughs) He's hooked and never come home. (laughs) So I was like really cranky at him about that. Um, So it wasn't till later. And then, you know, the people that knew him, I've never heard ever a harsh word about him and that he was nurturing and what he went through and I as I found that journey and learnt that journey just makes me honour him even more. Wow. And I've got a huge photo of him in my room, of him in his uniform. He yeah. was in the army and never recognised for that. 
So he mm. was one of those soldiers that was never recognised. Has he been since? Um, I know that he's on the wall down on the war memorial, okay. but because he died so young, yeah, yeah, he was, you know, he died before there or was any, any of, that, of that, yeah, recognition. But there's just this unbelievable connection to him. His brother was pretty much my grandfather and I was very close with him yeah. too, so it might have been the connection through him. Through that way, yeah. And um, his wife, so they were another sort of set of grandparents to me. And, yeah, it's amazing that I, I feel like he's still always just with us, walking beside us and guiding us. Gives you strength, doesn't it? Absolutely gives me strength. That's amazing, isn't it? Yes. One thing I really have to ask you, and I've been excited about asking oh. this, is about the Commonwealth Games. Aha. Okay, the Commonwealth Games in 2018 in Gold Coast. Um, they called it the Games of Inclusion. Yes. And that's because it was the first time ever that that was actually a fully inclusive event, mm-hmm. whether that was culturally, spiritually, whether that was uh, disabled athletes with able-bodied athletes, et cetera. And so the big thing is about inclusion. Mm-hmm. Another thing, Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games, the issues they have is that people always stand there and go, well, it never did anything for our society. It, it, it's like just cost all millions and millions of dollars and, yeah, we end up with a sports stadium. Whoop-de-doo. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to find out, because I know you were heavily involved and I want to find yes. out about that, was did that help the inclusiveness from a cultural point of view? Um, because I know a lot of the, the – uh, and I know you were involved in it. That's why I'm excited about telling yes. the story. Um did that continue and has that continued since? Do you yes. think that made a big difference? I think it did make a difference. I still think we've got a long way to go. Of course. Um, but I'm so proud and want to celebrate the great things that came out of that. So I How always did it try start? to. How did you get involved yeah, from the so start? I did get involved right from the beginning. We um, went and met with Mark Peters, mm-hmm. who was the head of Goldock. And led the way there before um, Peter Beattie came on. Mm-hmm. And Mark was just so genuine and authentic and wanted to engage with us. And we knew that he was a man of integrity. Yes. And wasn't looking for an opportunity to tick a box. And he wasn't looking for a marketing strategy. And that he was real in in expressing the cultural connection and honouring First Nations people through this event. Yes. And we joined with him and we created a relationship with Mark and I guess there was a trust that was built there and there's always going to be people that disagree and there's probably along the way, things that we wish we could have done better. However, if it wasn't done at all, nothing would have been done. Exactly. And we haven't, we wouldn't have had any impact whatsoever. So it was a relationship with Mark Peters, really, that that had started this. And then it just grew because he kept talking to us and we would provide him with guidance and advice. And... Some he took and some he possibly didn't take. Um, But we took a journey together and he included us, just as inclusive as everything else was within the Games. He included us and 
we felt a part of it and that then created a sense of responsibility that we wanted to give our all to this yeah. to ensure it had a maximum impact and that we could showcase who we are as a people. And it wasn't about us. It wasn't about saying we need a spotlight on us. It was actually about raising an awareness to bring everyone else along on the journey that anyone, that you don't have to be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, that anybody in this country can feel as proud of our history as we are and we want to share that. It's amazing. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way and and it makes you do that. And I think the inclusion within the Games at the opening ceremony and were you in the opening ceremony? No, I was well, there. You were I there. got to you enjoy it. it. I got to amazing, sit back and enjoy it? it, which is great. I actually great. heard a rumour that you uh, tried to attack Luke Hemsworth, uh, <laughs> Thor. Thor, Chris, right. I'm so good with it. was Chris, Chris Hemsworth. See? There we go. Chris Hemsworth. But I got told a story. Like, yes. About I'm sure how, it was all lies. <laughs> and this was from your big brother. Yeah, well, it was definitely lies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that you saw Chris Hemsworth yes. and you wanted to get a photo with him. Mm-hmm. And then so you made... I'll take the photo of you and Chris Hemsworth, but uh-huh. then Cole actually didn't tell me I got out of him in the end. Yeah, yeah. He then wanted to get in a photo with Chris Hemsworth. As well. <laughs> so, you know, and when you get back to the truth of it, and <laughs> I'm sure there's about 10 versions of the I'm truth, sure there right? Is. So, what's so the actual the truth? The actual truth was we were sitting right next to Chris Hemsworth in yes. the box Thor. at the Thor <laughs> at um, the athletics finals. Yes. And Everyone's doing the whole sneaky, you know, trying to do selfies without <laughs> him seeing it with him in the background and stuff. And that kind of just sits funny with me. Yeah, of course. So I'm just like, he's human like the rest of us, isn't he? I'm, I don't get this whole star-studded <laughs> thing, right? At the end of the day, his blood's the same colour, right? Yeah. And he is human, so I try to treat everyone equally. Indeed. So I just went, hey, Chris, I'm Linda, because he really wanted to know my name. You could tell. Of course. Right? Yeah. So, Especially when we forgot he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we forgot he is, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. He's human. He's human, whatever he is, whoever he is. Um, so, and, you know, everyone's in the box was probably a bit shy to <laughs> actually say anything to him, but I don't have that quality. So I just went, hey, Chris, my name's Linda. Um is it all right to take a photo? I said, if you don't want a photo, that's cool. That's no problem. I respect that. I know you're on your own time here because he wasn't sort of there as a, you know. Ambassador or Ambassador anything. or yeah. anything like that. I said, I respect your time there. Um, but we'd really love to get a photo with you if that's all right. And, yeah, he took photos with everyone. Of course, everyone jumped oh, up yeah, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of a sudden they want photos as well. Um, but, you know, he but, probably actually appreciated it because no one would have ever asked him that. They would have oh, all just sit there trying to take their sneakies. That's right. And he probably actually appreciated the fact yes. you spoke to him like a human. That's right. Well, <laughs> I think we get caught up and we forget that everyone else is human. Exactly. And I wouldn't want to be any shoes for all the oh. dollars in the world, to be honest. Like a lot of dollars. Everyone <laughs> in that in that vicinity knew that he was there Mm. and when he left it was like this buzz we sort of come out afterwards and they're like oh chris hemsworth just went down in the lift and i went wow (laughs) imagine if you went to the toilet right (laughs) (laughs) i thought 
Well, fella, you need to be allowed to be human as well. It must be. It was the uh, games of inclusion, so we let Thor in there as well. Is that what it was? Yeah, Yeah. they didn't let him compete, though. (laughs) (laughs) So afterwards, after the games are all over, it's all packed up, all the hype's gone. Yes. How did that leave things um, with the mob? Yeah. So for us, so going through the games, we had what was called the Indigenous Working Group, Mm -hmm. the Gold Dock, and we also had the Yugambeh Elders group attached to that, so our elders that um, we liaise with as part of that. So to keep that going, we have formed a um, a corporation which is called the Yugambeh Region Aboriginal Corporation Alliance, very long-winded. World's longest business card. And for some reason needed to have all of those words in there, which was outside (laughs) of my, you know, understanding. So... We have a corporation now which has um, a lot of the people that were involved in that um, still connected to still be able to build a legacy and keep connection because for us it's about now building on the awareness and building on a journey that's begun that everyone else will hopefully want to join with us because it's not about us and them. Yeah. It's actually about it's us as in all of us. Keeping all of us together. Yeah. And as I said, learning from each other as well. And do you think there's been any change since? I think we've had um a lot of conversations. It's it's sparked a lot of conversations mm-hmm. and it's sparking a lot of action. So we had attached to it's the first ever of its kind of reconciliation action plan. Mm-hmm. And what that document has sparked has been quite phenomenal that people now see that these documents can actually put into action, yeah. put the A into the wrap um, and make it happen and, and dust the dust off them and get them off the shelves so that now when I just, we just had the sport accord. So I don't know if you know about the sport no, accord. What's the sport so. Accord? Sport Accord was the it's the international sporting conference that happens each year and it's linked to the Olympics and all international okay. sports. Yep. So I was lucky enough to go along to a couple of the Sport Accord events and I was really happy to hear the language, okay. the language of inclusion and the sense of acknowledging First Nation connection in not only Australia but around the world and that we were the first event to ever issue an invitation to First Nations peoples of other countries to our country as First Nations people. It had never been done before, that invitation. Wow. And now they're looking to do more of that. So for me that's the seed and that's where it's at and I don't even care if no one even knew about it apart from First Nations people because it's about that connection exactly, and um, acknowledgement. And it builds from there. Absolutely. You've got to start somewhere and it yes. builds from there. And as I said, there's probably things that you disagree with and weren't perfect. Mm. But can you tell me anyone who's perfect or no. anything that's perfect? And until Thor's pretty perfect. Oh, I, I can't that. even remember his name. So. <laughs> How does that go? <laughs> good point. Very good point. Maybe that's my fault, not his. <laughs> he probably remembers Linda, though. 
Yeah, I, I reckon he would. <laughs> <laughs> that was his Aboriginal lady who yelled at me that's and right. told me I had to have my photo. Yeah. That's the other story I heard. She, yeah, she, was, she jumped over the barrier, got me in a headlock and said, smile or else. <laughs> so these days you're working with Titans for Tomorrow and the Preston Campbell Foundation. So Titan, no, not for Titans for Tomorrow anymore. So. Oh. Um, I've grown, so I had, I did work for, um, Titans and I developed their Indigenous programs there and their, um, community arm of Titans is Titans for Tomorrow. Okay. But I'd, um, left there, but from that journey, we, um, have grown to become the Preston Campbell Foundation. So as a separate entity, Preston and I, um. One of the greatest humans ever born. (laughs) Big fan of Preston. Yeah, yeah. He's still, obviously, he was special. a good footballer, but at the same time, what he's done outside of that and what yeah. he does for others and exactly like yourself, like wonderful people that do things for others. Yeah, it's he's amazing. a human. He's definitely yeah. a, a quality human that, that gives more than he takes, that's for Indeed. sure. And, um, yeah, so he asked me, well, we'd always spoken about something like this and, yeah. and then we formed the foundation. So I'm very proud to be a director of... Um, Preston Campbell Foundation and look to grow and connect with more people along the way and do the best that we can with what we have. Amazing. Well, if there's any way we can help with that, we will. Thank um, you. And that's something that, that's very close to my heart. So um, it is. Okay. Well, it comes to the end of our podcast and I always finish with these questions. Okay. okay. So um, it's quick fire. So are you ready? Oh, good. I don't know about that. I'm slow. Favourite food? Chinese. Never thought that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> thought we were going to say chicken. <laughs> Favourite song? It depends on my mood, but I, I kind of like R&B Fridays. R&B Fridays, okay. Favourite place in the world? Here. What's next? More of this. Continuation. A continuation and a growing, and I've got a... Passion for sharing the love that all I want in this world is for more love because everyone deserves love and we just need need more of it. There's too much um, challenge, too many challenges and, and hate in the world that I think love is something that would connect everybody and everyone deserves to feel love and should be feeling love and expressing love more. So. And I love it. Yes. And it's like that song, isn't it? Oh, you do, you do. That's right. <laughs> anyway, it's a good way to finish the podcast. Linda, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. As far as I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thank you. You are too. Thank you. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for listening. What an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ Macker and look out for more Meteorate Podcasts.